Welcome to the Blonde Runner podcast with Coach Laura Erickson, where she shares her healthy living tips as a running and triathlon coach and mother of four. Hello, welcome back. And today I am really excited about this interview. Actually, it's with the Live On Utah program. We're going to be talking about suicide prevention today. I'll be interviewing Alyssa Mitchell, and she's new to the Utah Department of uh, Health and Human Services, but she's been working in suicide prevention for like seven years. Um, She's a certified question, persuade, refer trainer and vital cognition trainer. We'll learn more about that as we talk to her. In addition to providing suicide prevention at a community level, um, Alyssa now oversees uh, the Zero Suicide Prevention Assistant assisting clinics with implementing policies to identify patients at risk for suicide and connecting them with the necessary care and follow-up. In addition to this, Alyssa is a co-chair for the Worksite Suicide Prevention Workgroup with the State uh, Suicide Prevention Coalition and assists websites in providing training and updating policies to support suicide prevention efforts in the workplace. Um, she is currently living in Layton with her husband, James, and her and their daughters, Zoe and Myla. So I'm excited to talk to her. Hello. Hi. We got it to work. work. We got it to work. It's, it was always this fun <laughs> electronic stuff that we have to figure out. So, well, I'm glad you're here. We connected with you, and I did read your bio uh, in advance here so we could just get into the meat of it and at first, I wanted to, you've been in suicide prevention, I know, seven years. I wanted to ask you, like, how did you get started? So, it all began with really my first job. Um, so, I worked for Summit County at their health department, and they had gotten some grants to address suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And so, I was asked to be trained in uh, the tool question, persuade, refer, to learn how to teach it to others in the community. And from my own personal experience growing up, having dealt with suicide and mental health issues within my family, um, I, I mean, I learned the information, I absorbed it and really took off from there with doing the trainings, working with school districts and communities, trying to pass on this good information. And as the program grew eventually um, this job came open for the suicide prevention program manager and I was able to get the job so I'm able to continue now to focus more closely on suicide prevention and keep spreading tools and resources and messaging on how to prevent tragedies like this from occurring so it's just been a growing um, just a growing um, adventure for me and I've enjoyed teaching it and being involved and um, it's been a good experience. So originally how I came upon the Live On initiative was I heard a radio, um, a radio ad, and then they said that there was this program that they're offering for training through um, Live On Utah on Instagram. And so that's where I went and I like checked it out. And I love this idea. Um, one, one of the reasons I even was interested in it is because I offer a race for grief event every year in West Bountiful in, in this area. And we've had people attend that have had, had loss from suicide. And so it's really, really heartbreaking. And, um, and so I thought, 
there needs to be more awareness. There, there are people struggling. And even with like COVID, you saw a lot of the mental issues people had. And I love the idea that they've created this training. So, cause it really needs to be, I mean, wouldn't you agree? It needs to be something everybody is aware of and they can all take a role in helping, right? Oh, absolutely. And this podcast is a way for people to get trained no matter where they are um, and no matter how much they know about it, by the time that they're done with this, this training, they'll be able to have the tools and resources to be able to help somebody in need, or if they're struggling themselves, they'll be able to go and find the resources that they need through this training as well. Um, one of this, we, you had sent me some statistics and I thought this was so interesting. 91% of Utahns have been impacted by suicide in some way. That's, that's huge. That's big. This is definitely something that needs to be addressed. I love that they put together this program. That's big. It is. Um, and whether that's someone themselves has struggled or they've had family members or friends, whatever it might be, all of us have been touched by this. And it's just such a great tool to be able to break down step by step, recognizing someone's struggling. How can I talk to somebody who might be struggling? Where can I send them? Because that's the biggest, one of the biggest reasons I think people even hesitate to reach out and help in the first place is, well, if they are struggling, like, what am I supposed to do? And the live on training that we have online gives you the step by step tools and um, resources to be able to say, okay, I know what I can do. I know how to ask the question. I know where I can help them find a resource. And I know how to follow up and make sure that they're being safe. You know, um, when I went through the training, there's like, I think there's 10 lessons, right? Yes. Uh, One of the ahas for me was like, oh, if somebody's thinking about suicide, I want to bring it up. I don't want them to want to do it more. And, And it's actually quite the opposite. The more you talk about it, the more likely you are to prevent them doing it. Um, and I thought that was really important aha for me. Absolutely. It's pretty, it's one of the biggest stigmas out there is by talking about it, by asking about it, I could be putting the thought in someone's head and that's absolutely false. What research has shown is that people who are asked the question about suicide feel relief. They have been struggling for a while. They've given out probably subtle clues because they're, they themselves are afraid of being judged if they talk about it. But when somebody asks, hey, this is what I'm noticing, are you having thoughts of suicide? It's that relief of, oh, my gosh, someone's finally recognized this. And this is probably someone I can talk to. And then they're more likely to open up and be and receive that support and help from somebody. I love that. I, I think um, too many times we're afraid to get involved. And what I love about this particular program and initiative is it it is designed by mental health professionals. So it gives you the words to say and not say. And and actually the lessons I found through all the lessons in one one fell swoop. I did it all at once, which I love. But you can also break it into ten minutes at a time because each lesson is is like that. They they have the whole program out now, um, and then you can be a live on ambassador, which I love because we can all. Be, I mean, we all need to be aware of our friends. And I think we all go through hard times and we don't know if someone is struggling with suicidal thoughts. We don't know that unless we get involved and we ask. And I think knowing the tools and, and having these things that we, we know the signs that we're looking for and the, this information makes it so much more 
easy to be involved. So that's what I loved about it. Yes, and it's it is a great program. And you're right, there's 10 lessons. Each lesson lesson, excuse me, should take at most like 10 minutes. And you get to hear from content experts um, around the state providing resources. And then there's also things to read through. And one thing that I do also like is the online active Q&A and discussion points because people have shared their stories or asked important questions. And we've been able to provide that clarification and keep the conversation going of, yes, this is okay to talk about. Um, what questions do you have? What can we answer? But I love that the playbook goes into recognizing the warning signs, how to ask the questions, how to keep somebody safe. Um, what is the best way to share your story? It also goes into the great new 988 number, which the three digit number was just launched in July. And so what happens if you call the 988 number? What does that look like? And then towards the end, you're given the their certificate and saying, I am a suicide prevention ambassador. And we encourage people when you complete that certificate, when you can com- get that certificate and complete the program, share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers, whoever it might be, let them know that if they're struggling, you are a safe person to come talk to. It's really the goal of this is to empower people to want to have a conversation and know how to keep people safe. And we do see that empowerment through the comments and the um, follow-up that we get from people wanting their certificates. It's been an amazing experience. I need to get, I need to follow up on that. I, I love that the, the number, cause I did not know that I, I have always posted on my race for grief, the, um, suicide prevention one, I 800 number, but I didn't know about this new number. So that was an aha for me too. And I love that learning that it just launched so we can kind of know what's going on there. And, um, and that's a Utah based, right? I- well, so the 988 number is national, um, but here in Utah, as long as you have a Utah area code, which is the 801, the 385, the 435, it'll direct you to somebody here in the state who can provide resources. Um, now, as we know, people move. So if you do have an out-of-state area code, it may take you to where that area code is based out of. Um, but they will reroute you as soon as you they answer the phone and they're like, hi, um, we're with the 988 number. How can we help you? If you tell them, hey, I'm actually a Utah resident, they'll send you right back to Utah. So we're working on they're working on trying to figure out how to best address that issue. But yeah, so if somebody with a Utah area code calls in or texts in and says, I need help, you'll get resources here in the state of Utah fairly quick. Nice. I love that it's that that it does that. Um, so good to know. Uh, that's easy to remember. Nine eight eight. That's really easy to remember. They um, wanted it easy, and they wanted it similar to nine one one. So nine one one is like physical health crisis. Nine eight eight is a mental health crisis. That's why they wanted to make it so simple. I think it would be useful for those listening in. I mean, maybe you know someone that struggled, or maybe you struggled yourself you know, if you're listening in, maybe we can go through some of these talking points that you talk that you sent me, which is those like the warning signs, the prevention type things. Like what are people watching for when they maybe see someone, you know, they're, you know, what do we look for when, when we're trying to help? Right. So a couple of clues may come up. First of all, um, is verbal clue. So what someone may say. So if somebody makes a statement like, 
I just want to go to sleep and never wake up. Or if something doesn't happen, I'll kill myself. They may be even a little less direct where they're, what's the point? Nothing's going to get better. People would be better off without me. My family would be better off without me. Mm. When people make these statements, it will generally create a feeling of uneasiness. It should set off a red flag in someone's mind saying, well, this is, this sounds hopeless. This sounds serious. This sounds scary. Um, Other warning signs you may see would be somebody suddenly drinking more or using drugs more. Uh, Perhaps they withdraw from activities. So maybe they work out a lot, go to church, um, participate um, in a club or something, and suddenly they stop showing up. They stop participating and they're not there anymore. Um, Someone who's feeling isolated, which was a huge problem during the COVID-19 pandemic because we were for a long time told to stay home because we didn't want to spread spread the illness but beyond that even especially in some of our rural areas it's easy to feel isolated from people to not feel like you fit in to not feel like there's places where you can go and have similar interests or be around people who share common interests and so that feeling of isolation and um, expressing how alone someone may feel is a warning sign Mm -hmm. Um, also people who have um are showing signs of depression, anxiety. Maybe they're even more irritable or angry than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe after a while of feeling this way, they're suddenly calm again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if obviously, like if someone's giving away prized possessions and they don't really explain why they're doing it, that's also a big warning sign as well. So what we encourage people to do is as you see these warning signs, as people say certain things or do things, or if even if you know someone going through a tough situation, it's good to check in and say, hey, I notice these things about you. I notice you're not coming to church anymore, or I notice you're not, um, I notice you've been drinking more. I notice you seem a lot more stressed out and agitated these things concern me. I'm concerned about you. I'm worried that you're having thoughts of suicide. Are you having these thoughts? So once you notice these signs, being able to ask the question and let them know that you care about them and you're concerned for them would typically be the next step. And And it's, I mean, it's okay to directly say, are you having thoughts of suicide? Right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's okay to ask that direct question. Cause again, it's not going to put the thoughts of suicide in someone's head. People are either thinking about suicide or they're not. So even if you ask, are you having thoughts of suicide and maybe somebody's not, you're not going to put the idea in someone's head. Um, in my, just in my experience, having asked this question, if someone's not having so- thoughts of suicide, they've never gotten angry. They've said, well, no, I'm not thinking that. I can see how you were thinking that, but no, I'm okay. And it still opens that conversation of, okay, but is there something else I can do for you? And then if they are having thoughts of suicide, then we go into that, how can I help you mode? Tell me more about what's going on. Let's see if we can get you a resource of some kind. I think um, one of the things that impressed me, I don't remember what lesson it was in, or at least this, maybe this was my thought, but is that it's important to follow up too. Like, you might ask them and they may not be willing to be um, upfront about their concerns, but sometimes it takes a little more work, a little more follow-up, a little more, you know, you ask them, maybe they're not willing to really 
talk to you as much, but as you keep following up and you keep checking in on them, uh, it seems sincere, like you care. And that's a lot of times what they need too. Absolutely. Um, doing that follow up. Cause you're right. People may not be a hundred percent comfortable in giving you the full story right away, or even answering that question truthfully of, are you having thoughts of suicide, but letting them know that, Hey, I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to check in on you to make sure you're okay. Um, that is a, that is a wonderful thing to do. And it will still continue to build that relationship of trust. And the more you follow up with somebody in a respectful and encouraging way, the more likely they're going to open up to you and ask for that help. And you'll be able to help them even more. You know, um, I think the thing that's really important, at least, you know, um, I think is, is obviously if they do say, yeah, I'm thinking of suicide is, is, you know, how would you respond to that? What is- how I've responded to that uh, personally is I said well thank you for telling me and then the absolute next thing I say is I don't want you to die I want you to be here and let's figure out a way to do that like I want you here tell me more about what's going on so I can help you um, mm-hmm. and letting them know that I'm here and I want to listen to them and that they feel com- let them know that they can tell me whatever they want to tell me and that I want that I'm going to try and find a way to help them. Well, I love that. I think it's important to be like non-judgmental with it. Like, you know, I think sometimes it can go the wrong way if it's like, Hey, you know, you're just trying to get attention. I mean, there, I think there are those concerns sometimes that people are just saying that and they're going to, they're just trying to get attention. But I think it's something you have to take serious. When you say. Oh, 100%. Anytime you, someone says I'm having thoughts of suicide, take it seriously. Um, One thing that we teach in some of the trainings that we do at the state is that people who talk about suicide more often are more likely to attempt suicide or commit acts of self-harm to themselves. So we encourage you to take it seriously every time um, and let them know, like, I'm taking this seriously. I want you to get help let's figure out what we can do together. Mm-hmm. Like they're not alone. Um, exactly. They're alone a lot when they're having those thoughts probably. So. Right. And it's important during this time to not to just dismiss somebody's feelings. It's easy to say, well, can't you just do this in this situation and maybe slap a bandaid on the, the answer. Um, I'm, I myself have never attempted suicide or had a plan to attempt suicide. But I, I mean, I remember struggling with postpartum depression mm. after having both my kids and things that were not helpful for me were, well, at least your baby's healthy. At least you were able to have kids. They essentially put a silver lining on my issues of things can get better, but nobody seemed, but people who said this were not really listening to what I was trying to, what I was trying to say. They weren't listening to the fact that I felt like I was struggling and needing help and so when people put that silver lining of oh you're okay oh just do this and you'll be okay it tends to push people off like okay maybe this is not somebody I can approach to to have help me they're just dismissing me so instead when we're trying to help somebody who's having thoughts of suicide it's better to say like someone in my case what people that were helpful said I'm so sorry you're feeling that way I know it can be overwhelming as a new parent and 
with hormones and hormone imbalances and everything. I know it can be a struggle right now. Tell me how I can help you. So they validated what I'm feeling as being true and difficult. And then they offered to provide me that help. And that's what we're looking for with things like the Live On campaign, validating people's feelings, recognizing and taking seriously like the struggle they're having and then finding them that resource. I like that we're talking about this. It reminds me of like I lost a daughter and that is a grief that you go through. And I heard some of the same things where, you know, people weren't validating how I was feeling. They were just like, well, you're, you're young, you can have more kids. And those things are actually really painful and they don't recognize your pain. They are, you know, they're, I think validating is so important to, you know, know that, you know, let them know you're taking it serious and, and letting them know you're going to be there. You're not trying to fix a problem. You're not, you're just recognizing their struggle and, a lot of things like what you're saying, like postpartum depression can kind of spiral into a suicidal type thing. So even recognizing those early things, I would think could, you know, we can divert that path, I guess, that spiral down into a worse situation. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. That validation is what people are looking for. So one thing that I love about this playbook is that it looks for ways to find that validation, gives people conversation tools on how to validate what people are feeling so that they feel heard. Yeah. Um, and I see anxiety is on there. That's something that I've dealt with. And sometimes that's hard to understand that someone can get rid but I feel like it's a little bit like diabetes or something. It's not something you can control always or depression is not always something you control. It's something that you have and have to mitigate and manage. And so, you know, making sure we're not blaming the person for the situation they're in. I think that's very dangerous. Oh, it is a dangerous game. And something that I feel that the playbook does, and I think they, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head right now, which lesson it is, but there's a lesson that talks about the language we use when talking about suicide and how important it is not to assign blame to somebody Mm-hmm. Um, how important it is just to have a neutral, use neutral language to have an open conversation about what the issue is at hand. So you're mm-hmm. right. Um, sir, it's like, I don't want to be identified as, oh, she had is someone who had, who has postpartum depression. It's well, I'm going through it right now, but let's talk about ways of how to address that in a safe manner and promote ways of finding healing. So, yeah, we're not labeling or we're not trying to put someone in a box, but we're obviously they're struggling with these these thoughts or whatever. But um, right. So avoiding the box and talking about hope, uh, ways to find hope and ways to find healing. Being it positive in that way, which is so good. And, you know, the thing, if if you're a live on ambassador, you're not necessarily an expert, but you can steer them in the right direction to get that expert help. I think that's that needs to be distinguished. You know, I know like I went through the training, but I do not consider myself like an expert and I'm, I don't need to be, I just need to be someone that's going to intervene and say, I do care and let me help you and let me find you a resource and, and let me follow up. You know, I think that's really valuable. Oh, it is valuable. And that is our goal, not to make necessarily people therapists or experts, but to at least be a person, a person of trust. Mm-hmm. So take me through, I know there's 10 lessons. I don't have them in front of me, names and that, but kind of take, take someone that's listening and maybe interested. Um, and I'll put down in the description where you want to 
live on Utah to do their their ten lessons. Can you kind of give kind of a brief overview of how that how that works for them. Oh, absolutely. So the ten so there's ten lessons. The first one starts with just an introduction to. Um, to why someone might be having thoughts of suicide. So give people just some basic knowledge of this is an issue. Um, this is what people have seen. After that, we move into the warning signs, things to watch for in people. So kind of what we talked about earlier, the change in behavior, something someone may say. And then after that, we move into the, the question part of how do you ask the question if you're concerned about someone's um, safety? Um, and then from there, um, what kind of, and all through this time, um, finding what your role is in the, um, suicide prevention. So being someone who can recognize the warning signs and being that referral, that referral piece as well, and helping somebody at this point, create to a safety plan. So find work after you ask the question, find ways to help find people, find resources that this person could use to keep themselves safe. So whether that's um, removing maybe a firearm or medication from the home to having people's, a list of people's names where if they are in crisis, they can contact these people. And then other ways to find help as well, whether that's the 988 number or um, another local resource um, in the community. and just moving on from there, how can we help people heal? Heal? How can we um, promote the mess- uh, suicide prevention messages in a safe way? Um, and then, basically, the last one, the last couple of lessons are finding ways to change the culture surrounding suicide, letting people know that it's okay to talk about suicide and mental health issues, and create uh, continuing to de-stigmatize mental health and suicide conversations in general so that people can feel safe talking about it in a public way. And once um, you go through those lessons and you answer the questions and participate in the conversations, which we do 100% want your participation in the online discussions, um, becoming that ambassador, knowing that you've got the basic information and then providing people with a certificate, um, saying you've gone through this information, you have a basic understanding of how to help people. And one nice thing that we do offer um, for workplaces as well is if they can get 80% of their um, employees go through this program, the work site can actually get a certificate saying that we are suicide prevention ambassadors as well. And so creating that culture of it's a safe environment to have this conversation and we're having the conversation in a healthy and productive manner. Oh, I like that. I didn't know you did it for companies. I think that's so important. When did this initiative, I mean, the, um, the lessons are really well done, I think, for Instagram and it's very clear and you have called actions. It's a really very great. When did it start? When, when did the Live On initiative begin to begin? So the Live On initiative began um, a couple of years ago, thanks to some funding from our state legislature. So I believe it was 2019 is when the campaign began. Mm-hmm. And then this specific Instagram campaign was launched in at the beginning of September, but it's been about a year and a half in the making. Um, and so the launch of the playbook when it began in September 
um, was dead, was designed to go throughout the month of September, which is suicide prevention month. And we will keep reposting and posting information on a continual basis here moving forward. So if you follow the Instagram account, you'll see the lessons continue to repop up because we want people to continue to constantly um, do the training as much as possible. And I mean, it's blown up, um, not even just here in the state of Utah. We've had recognition from other states on how well this camp, on how big this campaign is because it's the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. And I actually got some updates even just um, this morning. Um, we have had over 22,000 people complete the playbook, which is a huge accomplishment. And we want that to keep growing. Um, so the more people that complete this, the more suicide prevention ambassadors are out there, the more likely we're going to create a culture of change where suicide is destigmatized and more people will be comfortable reaching out and getting the help that they need. Uh, I love it. I love it. I was, yeah, I'm really impressed with how well done the program is. And then uh, I definitely am going to look back through it because I think what I love is it just it the words to say, because that's sometimes what we struggle with is, you know, we see the warning signs, but we just don't know, you know, what to say. And so I love that it gives you those things. And wow, that's shocking. 22,000 people have went through it and it's just been a month. So that's pretty awesome. It is. We're so we're overwhelmed by the support and the and how well this has taken off. And that we're that's why we're going to keep continuing to repost and post new messages and new information as it comes up. That way, the message continues to survive. And hopefully we see thousands more join in within the next year or so. That is amazing. So how does your family feel about do they are they ambassadors as well? Did they go through the training, your husband and your, you have two cute daughters, right? Yes, they're a little young. So my oldest is eight, my youngest is six, well, about to be six. So they themselves have not gone through it. But my husband has heard about it. He's not gotten through all the lessons himself just yet. But he's encouraging all of his co-workers to do it and helping spread the message as well. But we're, he's working on it right now still. He's one of those who does like a lesson a week where he does it at his own pace when he's able to based on his work schedule. Good. So is there an age that you would suggest um, for people? I mean, this is, I would assume, mostly adults, but is it, what ages do they suggest for training? So, so there's not necessarily a recommended age. This was geared um, to target, especially adults, but youth can go through this as well. Um, I encourage if there's any parents listening that if they do have their kids go through it to go through it with them so that they can have conversations together on this information um, and be aware of what their kids are seeing on social media Um, but really it's um, it's designed for anybody to go on and again if parents have youth that are on Instagram and want to go through this go through it with them so tell me more I just want to learn I did read your bio at the beginning but I want to learn more about this some of the other experiences you've had with the question persuade refer and then uh, vital cognition tell me about those sure so qpr stands for question persuade refer and it's a training provided by the qpr institute as a tool to help people recognize the warning signs of suicide and be able to have conversations about it so it's a it's a lot more in depth than the live on Um, campaign as in comparison we go into a lot of detail about statistics of 
how prevalent suicide prevention is and really get into how to ask the question, provide an opportunity for people to practice asking the question Mm -hmm. um, and learn more in depth about the resources that are available. Um, People who go through the QPR training can get a certificate at the end saying they're a QPR gatekeeper, which is like being a suicide prevention ambassador. They've just gotten more in-depth information about how to ask that question um, and the resources that are available to them. Um, It's just a little bit more intensive than what's online. So really what the Live On campaign was supposed to do was provide information similar to that, but in a more accessible way because the QPR training can take anywhere from like 60 minutes to 90 minutes, depending on conversations that take place. And typically we do it with groups of about 35 people. So we've gone to like churches and work sites and done trainings like that, but not everybody always has access to that. So the Live On campaign is a great resource for people who haven't had the opportunity to do an an in-depth training like that. Those are more, the QPR probably more like for counselors and I mean, maybe everybody could, or is it national? Is that program national? QPR is national and really anybody can take it. I mean, I've done the training um, for teachers, for um, community community groups. Um, I've done congregations um, like with the LDS faith. I've gone into different stake meetings and done trainings. I've even gone into work sites and done these trainings as well, um, not only for professionals, but for um, other not not necessarily just mental health professionals, but really any work site. Like I've done QPR trainings at restaurant for restaurant um, industries or bar um, bar staff before. Like really anybody who's interested in this training can do it. Um, now the working minds training that or the not working minds, excuse me, the vital cognition training. Sorry, th- their name has recently changed. They're now vital cognition, but they are more geared towards management and HR staff at work sites. So for example, um, I've gone in and done trainings for work sites, this um, vital cognition training where not only do they get some of the information from QPR about how to recognize warning signs and symptoms, but work sites also get training in how to create a policy where if someone is struggling with suicide, and an employee is looking for resource, how do we provide them that resource? Mm-hmm. Or if a suicide were to occur in the workplace, how do we provide resources to our other staff who've been affected by it? Um, and so that one, um, that's a two hour training. It's incredibly meaningful. And definitely if there's any work sites out there, we would love to sit down and do that training with them. Um, how does that relate to, I mean, I know you do the zero suicide uh, program was like right. or things like that or so the zero suicide framework does incorporate things that the working minds um, training provides zero suicide is more of a clinical setting so I will actually work with clinics um, and clinical groups in the state of Utah and help them address their policy so if a patient comes in having thoughts of suicide that they have a system set up in place to provide that help Um, to that patient to make sure that not only do they see the right doctor, but that clinicians moving forward, if they see that this person has had um, or is currently going to therapy, that they have all the tools and resources that they need. So they all kind of interconnect with each other where they talk, where they 
they're honestly, I do the, both the QPR and the working minds training with these groups as part of a prevention piece, but the zero suicide also focus on more of the clinical, like, are they getting the right treatment that they need when they do leave the tr- a treatment facility? What's our follow-up protocol? So all really a lot of my suicide prevention training from my get-go to now is really focusing on taking care of an individual the whole way through their treatment process to make sure that they get all of the resources that they need and we're able to follow up with them to ensure that they're continuing to live a safe and healthy life. They're living on, right? The whole Correct. I like that. On. <laughs> Super helpful because I think that this this definitely helps people understand there are resources and there are ways that we can all get involved and we can all help because we need that. We we we're probably going to be the intervention that some people you know, that maybe didn't have that intervention that aren't here anymore, right? We, we can be that. We can prevent. It, it is 100% preventable. Absolutely, Which, yes. Yeah. And, and a lot of my job has been identifying different people, different different people at different areas in life, whether that's in the work side, in the clinic, or in the community, being able to help everybody, no matter what sphere you're in, be prepared that should somebody come you work with or come across have these issues that you know exactly what to do so that they so that they live on so that they can get the resources they need and keep going on with their life. So it's nice to be able to target people to target suicide from so many different angles so that we can see more change sustainably as a society keep moving forward. Good. Well, I'll look forward to keep following. I'll keep following that account and we'll definitely shout it out. And I just love this initiative. I think it's very important. You never know who's struggling with suicide. And this is that we can all be involved. We can all have we can all have a positive impact in other people's lives. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and for for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. And it's good to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Have a good day. Thank you. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Healthy Living Podcast. Be sure and check the show notes for resources or links that we mentioned in the show. You can also find them on my website at blonderunner.com. B-L-O-N-D-E-R-U-N-N-E-R.com. You can also find me on Instagram at theblonderunner.com with an E, and Coach Laura Erickson, and that's L-O-R-A. Before you forget, I hope that you will um, follow this podcast and like it so you don't miss an episode. Also, it really helps if you leave a review so other people can find it um, and share it with your friends. Until next time, live well.